0: You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On
1: is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation.
2: I am so excited we're finally doing an episode on sharks.
0: Me too. It's going to be totally
2: shark Nice one, shark-some. That's
3: great.
0: Oh, hey, Sandin. What's in your cart there?
3: Oh, nothing much. Just my latest invention, megalodentures. They're dentures for sharks. They're nice square chompers, just like grandmas. Genius, right?
0: Points for creativity, that's for sure. But wait, Sandin, don't
3: sharks have lots of teeth? Yeah, they have lots of teeth, but they're constantly falling out, Molly. That's why they need
0: dentures. Sandin, you know that shark teeth grow back, right?
3: They, they do? Ugh. Okay, this calls for a business pivot. Come on, Sandy, think, 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 think. I got it! I'll become a sharkodontist. You know, an orthodontist for sharks. Shark braces. That's where the money's at. You know, because their teeth come in every which way. And I'll fix them with my sharkodontist skills. It's perfect.
0: Foolproof.
3: Right? Oh, I'm picturing my office right now. There will be calming pictures of beach sunsets hanging on the ceiling. Kelp floss for one and all. And we'll have a treasure chest full of treats, too. Sugar-free ones, of course. Ooh, we can get sharks' favorites, like krill and squid. Don't forget stingray. Just no jawbreakers. Oh, good point. Hmm, I better go find my white lab coat. (laughs) Gotta look the part, right? Sharkodontist Sandin, here I come. (music)
2: listening to Brains On from APM Studios. I'm your host, Molly Bloom, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Valentina from San Diego, California. Hi, Valentina. Hi, Molly. Today, we're doing an episode all about sharks, which is perfect because sharks are your favorite animal, right? That's right. So can you tell me a little bit about your connection to the ocean?
0: So the ocean has always played a big role in my life. I became obsessed with a sport called surfing. It's wave riding, we'll put it that way. And I have been going since I was about 10. So for about two years now, I've been surfing. And it's just a way for me to relax and just chill and kind of forget about what I'm stressed about. And that's how the ocean has played a big role in my life.
2: That is so cool. And so when you started surfing, you became more interested in the ocean in general?
0: Yes. So I became more interested in the ocean and its creatures. I used to step on stingrays, not very fun. I never got stung, thank goodness. But I was always just really curious like, oh, I wonder what they look like. Oh, I wonder what lives over there or like what
2: this animal does. And so, when did you start becoming interested in sharks, particularly?
0: It all started this one time I went surfing. To get a wave, you kind of have to wait for them. So I was kind of sitting there waiting for a wave and then I got a wave and I came back to my dad. My dad goes, you know, there's a shark under you, right? And I was like, whoa, a shark. That's kind of scary. (laughs) And then I became obsessed with them because such a beautiful and like majestic creature was under me. Like, and then I just kind of got into it more and then they became my favorite animal.
2: So do you think sharks are scary?
0: Not really. I know a lot of people are scared of sharks, but I actually love them and I'm not scared of them.
2: Valentina, you are not the only one who's curious about sharks. A lot of our listeners have sent us questions, too.
0: Why do shark teeth keep growing in? How are shark teeth so sharp? My question is, are shark teeth made of bones or cartilage? Thank you.
2: Wow, those questions were really on point. Thanks to Cooper, Teddy, and Robbie for sending them to us. Here to tell us more about shark teeth, it's our friend Ruby Guthrie. And wait, is that a shark?
4: Hey, Molly. Hi, Valentina. I hope you don't mind, but I also brought my friend Greg. And I just had to because, you know, he's a great white shark.
5: G'day, I'm Greg. And yes, I'm a shark and I'm white. And I'm really glad you think I'm so great, Ruby.
4: Oh, it's just the truth. Greg and I go, like, way back. We've been pen pals for ages. Thanks for swimming up to meet us, Greg. You bet. Greg, one of my favorite things about you, besides your positive attitude and witty banter, of course, is your smile. I've never seen anything like it.
5: Crikey. What a compliment. What can I say? I was just born like this. It's
4: true. Unlike us humans, sharks like Greg here are born with their teeth. They actually have rows and rows of them.
5: Yeah, I've got five rows to be exact.
0: What a mouthful.
5: Definitely. I think there's about 300 in here. And mine look like a bunch of little sharp triangles.
4: Reminds me of a bread knife. Totally. They have that spiky, jagged, zigzaggy edge.
5: Right. And just like a knife, these sharp teeth are really useful. They help me catch and eat my dinner.
4: And different sharks have different shaped teeth depending on how they hunt and what they like to eat. Bull sharks have longer, needle-like teeth that help catch slippery prey. Or there's angel sharks, who have dense, flat teeth, which are great for cracking crustaceans they find on the bottom of the
5: ocean floor. Mmm, love a crusty crustacean.
4: hmm Another unique thing about shark teeth is that they fall
5: out all the time. But it's no biggie. It's just because our teeth aren't rooted in our mouths, so they break off or fall out really easily.
4: And sharks don't just have one set of baby teeth and one set of adult teeth like us humans. Sharks are actually constantly regenerating their teeth, meaning just as quickly as they fall out, they're replaced by new ones. And that's where those rows of teeth come in handy. So when Greg loses a tooth, one of the others from the back row moves forward, kind of like a conveyor belt of teeth.
5: Yeah, all of this is normal for us sharks. Great whites like me can go through about 20,000 teeth in our lifetime.
4: Think of the toothberry cache.
5: You bet! i definitely strike big.
4: All teeth aside, I'm here to say that sharks are a lot more squishy than you may think.
5: It's true. I give the best hugs. Do you want one? I think I'll pass. Back to the squish.
4: You see, sharks don't have a single bone in their body. Instead, sharks are made up of cartilage.
5: It's the same sort of squishy tissue in humans that makes up the tip of your nose or your earlobes.
4: And that's what makes shark teeth so important.
5: That's right. It's really the only sharp tool I have to defend myself and catch my food.
4: So not only are shark teeth, like, way cool and beyond useful, but they can also tell us a lot about sharks of the past. To learn more about this, I spoke with Professor Sora Kim. She teaches environmental studies at UC Merced and does a lot of research on shark teeth.
6: Yeah, and so I think that people really discount teeth. They're like, oh yeah, there's so many shark teeth in the fossil record and they are all look the same. They're just pointy,
4: but they tell us so much information. Sora told me there's a ton of shark teeth fossils out there. And that's mainly because shark teeth are the only part of the animal that isn't made up of that squishy cartilage we mentioned earlier. Sharks
6: don't have bones, they have cartilage. And that matters for the fossil record because um, bone has a lot more of a mineral called hydroxyapatite, which allows it to preserve better in the fossil record. But cartilage does not have as much of this hydroxyapatite content and is much more organic. And so that tends to degrade very quickly when it's buried in the soil or
4: sediments. That's why we have so many fossils of shark teeth, because they have a lot of that mineral hydroxyapatite, meaning they can preserve really, really well. And turns out you can find out a lot about a shark all from its teeth. The chemistry of the teeth can actually give us information related to water
6: temperature, water salinity. And then if there's organic material preserved,
4: which is a big if, we are able to get at aspects of diet. So Sora starts by analyzing the chemistry of modern shark teeth. And from that, she can gather if the water is warm, salty, or where in the food chain the shark is. Then she compares it to the fossils, and that's where we can get more of an idea of how sharks were in the past.
5: Whoa, my mouth is so powerful, it's like a whole encyclopedia. You go, Mouthopedia. Hi, Finn. The shape of the tooth also says a lot. The shape can
6: also tell us something, like um, it turns out that little sharks have little teeth and big sharks have big teeth. And so within even a single shark species, you can look at the size of a tooth and you can tell sort of how big the shark is.
4: So by analyzing these shark teeth and comparing them with fossils, we can get a sense of how sharks evolved over time. Their teeth are like clues to understanding a big shark puzzle. And there's been some wacky pieces throughout time.
6: I think of sharks as like going through different experiments of like, will this work or not? And I think that the basic plan of like, have lots of teeth, teeth fall out, be a carnivore, that plan has stayed the same. But there have been like little offshoots to the plan, which may not have worked out so
4: well. For example, there was the heliocoprion, a shark with a spiral jaw lined with rows of spiky teeth. Super swirly-whirly.
6: So heliocoprion with the whirly teeth? Not so good.
4: Don't get it twisted. They looked awesome, but they went extinct. And then there's the infamous megalodon, the biggest shark that ever lived. The megalodon was so massive, two adults could stand in its jaw. Megalodon, for example,
6: giant teeth, most likely very giant body. Also not a great plan, it turns out, because it takes a lot of energy to be giant.
4: Even though some of these species aren't around today, sharks on the whole have been around for more than 400 million years
6: they actually made it through most mass extinction events unscathed. And even the one that took out the dinosaurs, it did not really
4: affect sharks that intensely. So sharks, and their teeth for that matter, have really stood the test of time.
6: But despite all
4: of this, like,
6: we are still learning so much about this group of animals that, um, they still remain kind of an enigma, and uh, there's still so much to learn about them.
5: Ooh, enigma. I'll have to add that to my resume.
4: Oh, definitely. Hi, Hi Finn. Finn.
2: Thanks for sharing, Ruby.
5: And thanks for visiting, Greg. The pleasure is all mine. Shark you later, bruh. Toodles. Boing.
2: Valentina, I have something for you to sink your teeth into. It's the... Here it is. What are your
0: thoughts? I'm guessing there was some sort of fire truck, maybe, or an ambulance. I also heard some sort of whining or whimping, so maybe a dog.
2: Okay, so that's the high pitch noise you heard. Yeah. And what else did you hear in there? I heard some people talking. I don't think that's the mystery noise, though. <laughs> so we'll play it again and have another chance to guess a little later in the show. We're working on an episode all about the multiverse.
0: It's the idea that there are multiple different universes existing all at once.
2: And we want to hear from you. What do you think clothes are like in a parallel universe? Do we only wear magenta? Shoes as earmuffs? Zebra print Everything? Valentina, what do you think people are wearing in a parallel universe? I think that
0: we are wearing whatever we like, just like we do now. And um, shoes as earmuffs. I do not think we would do that. Maybe as a fashion choice, maybe. But not as an actual thing you would wear. Kind of like how we wear certain things for different occasions. Maybe that would be for a party or a gathering. I don't know.
2: I like that. So it's like shoes as earmuffs are the new formal wear so like at the big award shows all the celebrities will have shoes on their ears looking so cool yes
0: also i think that animals and humans would be different so we would be considered animals and maybe animals would rule the world
2: oh good thought so like in that scenario maybe the animals are the ones with the cool clothes yes very interesting idea well, send us your answers at BrainsOn.org contact. While you're there, you can also send us mystery sounds, drawings, or questions. Like this one. Hi, my name is Ty. And I'm Ellie. And we're from Salt Lake City, Utah. Our question is, if steam is just tiny droplets of water in the air and water moves down when poured out, shouldn't steam travel down too? So why does steam travel up rather than down? We'll answer that during our moment of um right after the credits, and then we'll read the most recent listeners to be added to the Brains Honor roll. So keep listening. You're listening to Brains On from APM Studios. I'm Molly. And I'm Valentina. Hey, Valentina, do you hear that? The tides are turning. Quick, Valentina, it's time to swim over to the shark side. Don't worry, the water's fine. It's time to play Jaws Jeopardy.
0: Call me a hammerhead shark because I'm about to nail this.
2: It's going to be jawsome. Valentina, pick your category.
0: Hmm, I'll go with Shark Senses for 200
2: All right. True or false? Sharks can hear the heartbeat of their prey from hundreds of feet away. I think that is true. You are right. It is true. But not using their ears. Most sharks have electrosensory organs that look like small pits around their snouts. These small pits can detect electrical fields that come from contracting muscles like a beating heart. This allows sharks to find their prey from hundreds of feet away, even if the prey is completely still or hiding under sand. That's kind of cool. Okay.
0: Next up, I pick shark brands for 400.
2: Fantastic. True or false? Sharks can be hypnotized.
0: I think that is
2: false. It's actually true. What? It's easier for humans to hypnotize some sharks than others, but when you flip a shark over, some of them enter a state called tonic immobility, where their muscles relax and their breathing becomes deep, just like hypnosis. While sharks are in this state, researchers can study them very closely. That is insane
0: and also very very cool. Yeah,
2: it is really cool. All right, let's choose the next category. I'll choose shark skins for 600. True or false? Sharks have slippery and smooth skin. Hmm, this one is actually a really tricky one
0: because I think it could be any like option. I'm going to
2: guess that is true actually false. Shark skin feels similar to sandpaper thanks to the tiny teeth-like structures all over their bodies called placoid scales. They point backwards, helping sharks glide quickly through the water so sharks can swim faster using less energy.
0: Wow. Remind me not to touch a shark, please.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they've got big teeth and lots of little tiny pointy
0: things all over. That sounds like a this, the ocean's porcupine. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> totally.
2: All right, let's pick the next category. Can
0: I get shark history for 800?
2: Whatever floats your boat. True or false, sharks are older than trees and dinosaurs. I think that is true. You're right. It is true. Sharks are very old and sophisticated. Scientists believe sharks are over 400 million years old, making them some of the most ancient creatures in the world. They've even lived through five mass extinctions.
0: Wow. Imagine how, like, I guess adaptive they have to be if they've been through five massive extinctions and still survived. They must have to adapt a lot, right?
2: Yeah. Sharks are incredible. All right, we have time for one more question.
0: For my final question, I want shark superpowers for 1,000.
2: There's no fin left to lose. True or false, sharks can glow in the dark. Oh, this is a tricky one.
0: I think that is true.
2: It is true. A few different types of sharks are able to produce green and blue light. The glow, called bioluminescence, comes from thousands of light-producing cells in the shark's skin. Researchers think that sharks use this ability to camouflage themselves from predators below.
0: Wow. Imagine seeing a glow-in-the-dark
2: shark. It would be incredible. I wish we had more time, but that's all for today on Jaws Jeopardy. Okay, Valentina, it's time for the mystery sound again. Are you ready? Of course.
0: I'm thinking maybe it's raining? Very
2: windy? Any new thoughts about that high pitch noise?
0: Um, I think that is some sort of siren. I believe that is a fire truck, siren.
2: Good thinking. Are you ready to hear the answer? Sure,
5: I'm Karen, and
1: I'm from Oldsmar, Florida, and this is the sound of someone ziplining. Oh
0: oh. <sighs> makes sense. That's why the, you could hear kind of the wind in the microphone of the recording device go shh. So can you describe what a zipline is? Um, you are kind of the whole solution. You're trying to get to point A to point B. You're on point A right now. And there's this giant line from point A to point B. And it's kind of like a little, maybe like a little swing. And I guess you kind of go down on it. Um, usually um, this, I guess, rope would be kind of downwards. So you, bu- so you build up momentum and then you kind of get to point B. Um, I've never tried zip lining. I think that'd be really cool.
2: Yeah. That's a really, really good description. Yeah. People are attached to a line with a harness and it's usually pretty high up and they zip down the line suspended in the air. That's pretty amazing. I'm not sure I'm brave enough to do it, but it is an excellent mystery sound.
5: Brains on.
2: Okay, so we've taken a look at how sharks grow their teeth, but what are they
7: using those teeth to chomp on?
2: Producer Manica Wilhelm is here to tell us about what sharks do with their
7: jaws. Hello. Hi Manica. So mainly, sharks use their impressive jaws to eat stuff. I asked Annabelle Gong about this. They study sharks at the University of San Diego. Most sharks eat fish, crustaceans
1: like Crustaceans meaning crabs and shellfish, squid. Really depends on their size. So if you're a really big shark, you could eat
7: other sharks too. Many sharks are big animals, and they need to eat a lot of food to keep themselves going, including smaller species of sharks. And that might make these sharks sound like the big bad wolf of the ocean. But their eating also keeps other animals healthier. They'll eat sick or dying animals. Because if a shark eats a sick fish, its sickness won't spread to any other fish. And sharks actually eat enough other animals that what they eat affects their whole ecosystem. That's the ocean they live in and all the animals and plants they share it with. And since we're talking about what these animals eat, you can kind of think of an ocean ecosystem as an ocean grocery store.
1: Yeah, sure. I would love to work in a shark grocery store. Hi, welcome to
7: Finns, how can I help
5: you? Oh, I'm just a white shark looking for a seal. I know where I'm going, but thanks anyways.
7: So here in Finns, the Ocean Ecosystem grocery store, predators like sharks are shopping for things to eat, like rays and fish. But while sharks shop for rays, those rays are doing their own shopping. They're looking for crabs and clams. And meanwhile, crabs and clams are picking out plants to munch on, everyone is connected in a food chain. It connects animals to other animals based on who they eat and who they get eaten by. Sharks have a special place in the food chain. They're what's called apex predators. An apex predator is also called a top predator, and
1: they're the animals at the top of the food chain. And they don't usually have very many predators or any predators at all, which means that they don't really
7: get eaten very often.
3: Top of the food chain. I gotta eat. I'm helping the ocean.
7: Ooh, but it looks like that tiger shark is almost ready to check out. Wow, it's so big. It's almost as long as a small car. And it has those faint dark stripes on its side. Let's see what it's got in its basket. Did you find everything okay?
8: I sure did.
7: Oh, seems like
1: you got a ray. I tried this one before and it was pretty shocking, let me tell you. (laughs) And some sea snakes. I love those ones.
8: Same, all right.
1: Oh, looks like you got some um, old license plates and some old tires. Interesting choice, not really what
7: I would go with, but I hope you have a lovely dinner tonight. Sometimes hungry apex predators mix up trash and food. They've got lots of eating to do. But back to the animals that sharks eat. Everyone in this store is connected in a food chain, remember? So if the sharks left this grocery store, that would leave the stingrays as the top predator. And there would be way more rays around. And in turn, these
1: stingrays would start eating all the crabs and all the clams and all of the little
7: animals that live in the the sand. With more rays shopping for the same stuff, the rays might eat their way through all the crabs in the store. When you're removing
1: this shark from the store, you're basically removing the crabs from the store, too. So pretty much it would just be stingrays and some algae just
7: hanging out. Because without any crabs, no one would be eating the algae. So fins would go from having tons of different animals in stock to just having two sections. Rays on aisle one.
1: Algae on Isle two. That's not a very interesting store unless you like
7: stingrays and algae only. It's also not great for the ocean. If there's too much algae in part of the ocean, it uses up a lot of the oxygen in the water, which makes it harder for coral reefs and other animals to survive. But when sharks shop at fins, they keep the balance of the food chain. So lots of animals stay in the store.
1: Just doing my part. All right, and your total's gonna be 34 Fenty.
3: Uh, That seems like a made up price.
1: This is a made up grocery store. Brains,
3: Brains, brains,
6: brains.
0: Sharks don't have bones. Instead, they're made up of cartilage.
2: But sharks have rows and rows of teeth that help them catch and eat prey.
0: These teeth fall out all the time, but they are quickly replaced like a conveyor belt.
2: And we have learned so much about the history of sharks all by analyzing their teeth. With those awesome teeth, sharks can eat all kinds of stuff. like Crabs, rays, sea snakes, even other smaller sharks. And that helps keep the ocean's food chains balanced. That's it for this episode of Brains On. We're about to hear an answer to the question. If steam is just tiny droplets of water in the air and water moves down when poured out, shouldn't steam travel down too? So why does steam travel up rather than down? But first, some quick credits
0: brain Zone is produced by Molly Bloom, Mark Sanchez, Sandon Totten, Ruby Guthrie, and Manika Wilhelm.
2: We had engineering help from Johnny Van Sevens, and our intern is Catherine Sunquist. We had production help from Dave Leshansky and Kunsang Dorji. Special thanks to Paulina Herrera and Paul Guthrie. Our executive producer is Beth Perlman, and the executives in charge of APM Studios are Lily Kim, Alex Shaffer and Joanne Griffith.
0: brain Zone is a nonprofit public radio program.
2: You can support the show and help us keep making new episodes by heading to BrainsOn.org slash fans. While you're there, you can donate, join our free fan club, or check out our merch. There are face masks, t-shirts, and hats. And you can buy the Brains On book there, too. It's BrainsOn.org slash fans.
0: Now, before we go, it's time for a moment of, um...
2: Um... If steam is just tiny droplets of water in the air, and water moves down when poured out, shouldn't steam travel down too?
0: So why does steam travel up rather than down?
8: Steam rises instead of falls because it's lighter than the air surrounding it, whereas water is heavier. Hi, I'm Nicole Sharp, and I'm an aerospace engineer. One thing to think about here is what happens when liquid water turns into steam. Basically, if you have, say, a droplet of water and you heat it up into steam, what's gonna happen is all of the molecules, all of the little bits of water inside there are all going to get further away from one another. They're gonna spread out and they're gonna take up more space. Density is what really ends up mattering when we try to figure out whether something is going to float or sink. Density is how much stuff you have compared to how much space that stuff takes up. So if I have water and I pour it out of a glass, that water is surrounded by air. And air has a very low density, water has a very high density. So I pour that liquid water out and it falls down to the ground. But if I instead have steam, the density is much, much lower. And now in fact, that density is less than the density of the air and therefore the steam rises instead of falling. The reason that all of this happens here on Earth is because we have gravity. And things actually get a lot more complicated when you don't have gravity, because then you don't get this kind of separation between the light things and the heavy things the way that we do here on Earth. So if you were living on the International Space Station, for example, you would find that steam or heat or anything like that doesn't rise. The only way to get those substances to move around on the station is to actually have fans and to force the air to move
2: um Um. here's a steamy dreamy list of names it's the brain's honor roll these are the incredible listeners who send us their questions ideas mystery sounds drawings and high fives Neve and Sierra from Lowell, Massachusetts Wild from Washington Dexter, Reed and Zane from Bwasa Van Manitoba Koa from Raglan, New Zealand Astrid, Quinn and Serafina from Chicago Eli from Hayward, California Maya and Gabe from St. Louis Hope from Flagstaff, Arizona Florence from Davis, California Zamin from Bangkok, Thailand Emmett and Bellamy from Bloomfield Hills, Michigan Luciana from Houston Thalia from Mount Prospect, Illinois Ben from Toronto Raven and Hannah from Palo Alto, California Sarah from Langley, Virginia Lotus from Gothenburg, Sweden Ren from Brooklyn, New York Trixie from Alabama, Addison from New Haven, Connecticut, Jeffrey from Bedford, New Hampshire, Maya and Ella from Saratoga Springs, New York, Sunny from Oklahoma City, Zephyr from Modesto, California, Millie, William and Charlie from Lakeland, Florida, Lucia from Ohio, Ruth from Mineral, Virginia, Emerson from Hampton, Virginia, Luke and Graham from Pleasant Grove, Utah, Avery and Josie from Arlington, Washington, Liam and Scarlett from Ontario, Molly from Tacoma Park, Maryland, Dara and Dean from Long Beach, California, Micah from Excelsior, Minnesota, Avery from Essex, Ontario, Hollis from Gardners, Pennsylvania, Gabe from Madison, Wisconsin. From Prince George, British Columbia, Gordon from East Lansing, Michigan, Ginny from Albuquerque, Elise and Eddie from Toronto, Robin and Aaron from Hollowell, Maine, Oliver from Comstock Park, Michigan, Julian from Menlo Park, California, Brecken from Lee's Summit, Missouri, Addie June from Glasshouse Mountains, Australia, Jack from White Plains, New York, Autumn from St. Louis, Katie and Izzy from Wayne, Pennsylvania, Rose from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Enzo from Guadalajara, Mexico, Legend from Onalaska, Texas, Henry and William from Queenstown, New Zealand, Hollis and Barnabas from Boise, AJ and Ian from Vancouver, Washington, Lily from Atlantic Beach, Florida, Connor from Zurich, Switzerland, Jace from Canton, Georgia, Will and Jamie from Cortland Manor, New York, Emmett, Wyatt, and Colby from Scotts Valley, California, Bernadette from New Mexico, Jackson from Reno, Nevada, Kayla from Portland, Oregon, Maggie from Maryland, Lily from Fort Wachuca, Arizona, Connell and Colette from Portland, Oregon, and Starla from Fresno, California. We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions. Thank you for listening.